I'm about to feed him to the sharks right now. Get him hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it, and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's, that's time on the map. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll. Welcome to episode 40 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast. My name is Jeff Boone. I'm an A3, blue belt, two stripes. This is Phil Coors, A2, blue belt, one stripe. And I'm John Plyler, uh, A3L, black belt, one stripe. A3L, folks, that is for, he's got very long arms and long legs. Better to trap you with. Um, <laughs> so, John, thanks again for coming on. Uh for those of you who don't know, John is Phil and I's professor. He was on episode five, five our first guest on the uh, BJJ Campaign podcast. So thank you for that. Um, so just getting into it, uh, and Phil was talking about his Kimura because he's getting really good at that. And, <laughs> and we, were, we were talking about how to get good at a technique and right you know everything is just keep training yeah that that that's that works we know that we we get it but we want shortcuts that's what we do (laughs) and you know what is your best advice on whenever you're working a particular technique something like with phil with the kimura something like me with the the triangle that i devoted a lot of time to and got better at um from doing that but aside from that, what, what are some of your recommendations for if you're training something? And also, what's something that you're trying to get better at now? Yeah, so, um, you know, one thing is um, you should always train with a purpose. So, you know, have something that you're actively chasing, actively working on. So every time you go into train, every time you go into role, obviously, you know, when you're going to a class, you know, everybody's working on whatever is on the the curriculum for that day but you know you should also have your own individual goals that you're pursuing um, and uh, you know whether that's getting better at um, you know escaping from the mount or working on your triangle or or whatever it is and you know you already pretty much hit the nail on the head the the real answer is you just got to practice it's just mat time and it's getting reps but um, you know try to put that position or you know whatever technique that you're working on into as many different situations as you can, as many different training partners as you can, really try to, um, you know, dig into it. And, you know, it's not, I'm going to spend a week working on the triangle. Um, And for me, one of the ones that I struggled with early on as a blue belt, I remember my half guard was terrible. Every time I was on the bottom half guard, it was just, it was half mount for the other guy, you know. Uh, It was just a matter of time before... I got my guard smashed and mounted or whatever. And uh, I spent probably a good solid two years working that position actively, really, you know, um, talking to the people that were good at that position, investigating it, um, learning as much as I could about every aspect of that position. And, you know, when I would start, um, when I would roll, you know, every roll started from bottom half guard. And it was a a lot of getting smashed and a lot of getting beat up until, you know, kind of started to figure it out a little bit. Um, and usually there's a little, 
uh, you know, it takes investing the time and you'll have a little epiphany. You'll pick up on some little detail or some aspect of it that you never really, um, really uh, paid attention to before. And a lot of times those can change the entire position, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's important that, that, that everyone realize that too, is that, uh, you know, in order to work a technique, you're going to get your guard passed. You're going to get smashed. You, you know, whenever I was, whenever I worked for like four, well, I'm still working on it, probably about six months on my triangle with, you know, because you can, it's infinite the number of entries that are, that are with a triangle. Yeah. But whenever I first started doing that, all it was was I was allowing someone to pass my guard. That was, yeah. that was all I was basically doing for the whole time. Yeah. And guess what? That then made my guard retention and my guard recovery a lot better yeah and you have to be willing to do that and understand that um, in the training environment the mat is a is a laboratory you know that's where you experiment that's where you try new things work on things that you're not already good at you know the guys that focus on trying to win in the academy um, you're already practicing what you're best at you know if your only objective is to tap the guy in front of you that's fine but you know long term what real um, result are you getting out of that you're already practicing what you know how to do well so Take chances, put yourself in the positions that you're not comfortable with, work on the things that you're not already good at. That's how you're going to get good at them. You know, people, we all tend to naturally gravitate towards the things that we already feel comfortable with and do well. Well, how did you get comfortable with that position? You spent a lot of time on it, and probably because at some point earlier on it made sense to you naturally. You picked up on, you know, some people naturally will gravitate towards a certain technique or a certain position. You know, and that's fine, that's important. Have something to build the rest of your uh, jiu-jitsu game around but um, yeah really dig it apart and see where it fails because um, that's the most important part of of any technique it's great when it works but when it doesn't work you know what's your what's your bailout what's your plan b where do you go from there how does it fail how does the guy beating the position you know um, and if you're running across the same issue you know, you're going for the triangle and every single time the guy's, you know, going for a, a, a stacking pass and passing your guard, you know, that's that's your issue. You know, sometimes that's something that you got to fix. You run into other ones where it's an individual problem and that's where having different, having a variety of different training partners is good because they're going to present uh, a different approach to that situation and um, they're going to react differently. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to see something that's completely different from what everybody else is doing, you know, or you can make the move work on everybody else except for this one guy, you know, and that's more of an individual problem that's a little more, that takes a little more time to pick that apart. But, um, yeah, getting the reps in, um, I always recommend start with the guys that are lower level. Uh, if I'm working on a new position, I work it on the white belts, you know, work it on the blue belts because there's really no... You know, if you screw it up, it's okay. You know, you can recover. Um, don't start out uh, and be realistic. You know, guys are working on a new position. You know, if you're a white belt and you're grabbing the brown belt, and I don't know why I can't triangle the guy. Well, because he's a brown belt. You're not supposed to be able to, you know. <laughs> if, if you were, then, you know, none of this really makes a whole lot of sense, right? But um, working on the guys that are smaller than you, working on the guys that are lower level than you, and, and work your way up. When you can hit the move on all the white belts in the room, then you start going through the blue belts. I mean, you can get through all the blue belts, go through all the purple belts, you know? When you can do the move on everybody at will, uh, then you know it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And John, on that, what, so I always find it interesting, you know, because right now, just for example, I, I'm, 
I always try to incorporate whatever that we're doing in the fundamentals class in our roles, but I also have something that, that I'm working on. Like right now it's, it's back defense, you know, is making sure that, 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 um, whenever we're doing any rolling, I'm, I, I get in that position, whether it's forced upon me or otherwise, but working on back defense. Mm -hmm. Um, what is something that you're working on right now that, that, because, you know, Phil and I see it and like, whenever we go with you, it's, there's the only way we gain a position is if you allow us to gain a position, you know what I mean? And, um, and, and so it's kind of hard to see that upper level, what, what the things are that you're working on. So that's interesting. That's interesting to me. What is something that you're working on right now? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause, uh, I just left our morning class and, uh, Brent, one of our Brown belts and I were kind of working on this position. Um, and, uh, you know, this is something that, uh, it's not a new position, but just, you know, your focus shifts as you go through, uh, you kind of get away from things and then come back to them. And, uh, you know, I was training with, uh, my instructor, uh, Steve Hall, who's our, uh, fight to win team leader. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he's been working this, uh, arm lock position, um, you know, kind of off of, uh, um, the open elbow position and you know there's a lot of different transitions that you can get into arm locks and kimuras and sweeps and things off of this position and it's one that he was working i think pretty extensively in his seminar series that he taught over in england uh, i was looking at some of the footage of that and then i just you know happened to comment when we were rolling is like you know i can see he's going after it I'm like yeah i saw those videos from your seminar and i know what you're going after and he kind of laughed and then he still went after it and took it anyway you know so like, man, you know, I need to explore that position a little deeper, you know. Um, uh, not only so that I have a better understanding to apply it, but so that I'm not getting caught with it, you know, yeah. as well. So, you know, that's something that I've been uh, playing around with a lot lately, you know. Was it the one isolation position that um, Jeremy Arell did in uh, the Toro Cup with... Uh, no, it's a different position. It's more from the guard. Um, okay. You know, just... Um, but, you know, all of those positions are, are kind of a similar concept, you know. Um, opening the elbow and controlling the elbow, you know, and gives you a, a lot of openings to break posture and attack into uh, um, shoulder locks and arm locks and triangles and sweeps and, you know, kind of different things like that. So, um, and it's a, it's a really good way. Um, and actually, you know, Brent and I were just talking about this concept from the guard of um, not trying to attack the guy directly, um, especially a bigger guy of, um, creating an angle, you know, breaking the posture a little bit. And a, and a really good way to do that is attacking the elbows, either flaring the elbow, opening the elbow, you know, to start creating a, a break in the posture, breaking their structure off balance, or um, going the other way when they over defend that of, you know, pushing the elbow in, which is going to create drags and, you know, setups for triangles and back takes and things like that, mm -hmm. you know. Nice. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much the approach I always seem to see, feel that I have is that troubleshooting approach of, you know, always going to the classes and whatnot, trying to do it as correctly as possible, but then when actually training, seeing this scenario keeps happening and mm -hmm. what is the, the troubleshoot for that, you know, how do you fix this one? And now you're one step further, but I'm running into the same problem all the time here, you know, and that's where I think those little epiphanies come in and stuff. Which, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know... Uh, say it all the time is you know ask the question if you're getting caught with a position or you're not able to escape a position now be realistic again you're a white belt brown belt's got you in side mount 
I can't escape. Well, train. You know, keep showing up. <laughs> keep training. That's the answer to that one. You're not going to. You're you know. You're not going to be able to uh, escape. But um, you know, ask the question. If you're getting caught in a position or submission, and you just keep getting, you know, it's okay to tap, but it's not okay to keep tapping to the same thing and never ask the question, man, how do I stop this? What are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. let me figure this out. Um, that's how you, that's how you learn it. Um, and you know, I remember, you know, this is several months ago, but you know, training with Ryan, Ryan's one of our black belts, you know, very, very, um, uh, well, I'm going to say he's big and strong. Yes, he is. <laughs> that's that's all he's got. Just because that annoys him. Uh, no, he's very technical. You know, he's very um, good at jujitsu. But, you know, uh, I was training with him and just every single time, you know, passing his uh, his half guard, uh, you know, and, you know, the same pass over and over and over. And finally, one day, he's like, man, you know, you keep passing my guard the same way. Like, what do I need to do to stop this? And it was literally something as simple as just, you know, uh, just uh, changing a grip. And once he asked the question, he had that epiphany. I didn't pass his guard that way anymore, which is good for him. But it's also good for me because now I got to figure out a new way to get, you know, to, to solve this puzzle. You know, because it's easy when I can pass your guard the same way. If you don't adapt to it, there's no reason for me to change. I'm going to keep passing your guard a hundred times that way until you figure out how to beat it. And once you figure out how to beat it, now I have to you know, improve my, uh, my game a little bit and, and change and adapt, you know, and that's, that's how we both get better. That's funny. We were just talking about that on Friday. You saying every, every time you rolled, get back to the same knee shield position and he would just fix one thing at a time, just mm-hmm. over time. And eventually he's kind of improving quite a bit and seeing that, but that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it is funny that, that, that also that half guard position came up because that was just in our newsletter. And, and that's one, the half guard position is one that I've been doing since I was, since I was a white belt, I really I don't know why I like that half guard position, but that it's that's such a deep position and, and it's it's uh, like you said, half mount was the beginning of that journey. And now it's a very attacking you can attack there's a lot of attacks from that half guard position. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, very strong position. And that gets me into uh, the another topic that that we wanted to kinda bring up and that is um, Positions and techniques for your particular body type, right? For whoever, whoever's doing it. You know, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. Uh, you know, I think that, that one position that, that I've always liked from the very beginning was the Kimura. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that I feel like fits my body type and it fits the way that I roll. But give us some other examples uh, of that and, and what you, kind of how to overcome that and... Um, and just kind of a general discussion on what you should be looking for, especially whenever you're first starting to develop your game. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing when you're brand new, um, you know, nothing makes sense. Um, it takes a little while just to kind of get the, the idea of what we're trying to do, you know. So anything that you can find that you can kind of latch on to early on that you can kind of wrap your head around and it, it kind of feels natural to you, you know. You don't have to look for it. It'll find you, you know. Um, you just show up, go to class, do the moves, and, and, you know, you'll find the things that completely don't make any sense to you um, at all. And that's okay. Don't disregard them. Um, they'll come back. They'll come back around when you're ready for them. Um, but there's usually something that will kind of uh, click with you, you know, that kind of makes sense. And 
you know, that's dig into that and, and really spend some time with it. And you start um, exploring that and then develop the rest of your jujitsu around that position, you know, and a lot of times it, it is based somewhat on uh, body style. I mean, the, the classical example is, you know, the triangle. Um, if you're a guy that's short, you know, stocky, short legs, probably not going to be a triangle guy. It uh, doesn't mean you can't have a good triangle and you can't really understand the triangle well, but um, if you're a person that's a little longer, you know, that has longer limbs, you know, the triangle is going to be a little easier for you to, uh, um, to get a hold of. Um, you know, same thing, uh, the, the things, you know, the shorter guys, stockier guys, the, the Kimura positions, um, tend to be stronger. The, a lot of the, um, butterfly guard type of positions, you know, the positions getting in underneath your, um, opponent. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that you can't, um, explore those other positions and, and be good at them. And, you know, typically what you see is that the smaller guys tend to be more guard players, um, naturally, because when we're all training together, uh, you know, we don't really train weight classes in the academy. Everybody trains with everybody. And, and naturally the smaller guys tend to end up on the bottom more. And out of necessity, they develop their guard to a higher level. Um, the bigger guys tend to be more top heavy, more, you know, top players. Um, and you see that play out in competition as well. You know, in this, in the lighter weight classes, it's a race for who can pull guard first. Um, and in the heavier weight classes, the guys, you know, push each other around for five minutes. Nobody wants to be on the bottom, you know. Um, it's very typical. I was actually kind of the opposite of that, where, um, you know, I was, um, when I started training, I was a good bit bigger than I am now. Um, but, you know, one of the bigger guys in the academy, um, me and uh, Jeremy Arell, that you guys have had on sure. several times, we came up training together. And we were, you know, two of the bigger guys in there. So we were training partners for each other all the time. But when I was training with the smaller guys, my mentality was, um, you know, it was, it felt unfair to me to, you know, use my size and my weight against the guys that were a lot smaller. So I would put myself on the bottom and I would play from the, the bottom. So I developed my guard game to a much higher level earlier on than I did my top game. And that was actually a, a little bit of a weakness, you know, in my game that, um, you know, when I started training with Steve that, you know, he was pretty quick to point out that, you know, man, you're, you know, you're a big guy, you should be on top and smashing people, you know what I mean? And I was, you know, it had become more comfortable for me to be on the bottom. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just what kind of fits naturally with your body type and your personality and what kind of resonates and makes sense to you um, early on. And that will change. I mean, if I look at the things that I do now compared to when I was a blue belt, it's night and day. You know, the things that um, were my A game, my go-to positions as a blue belt, I rarely do, you know, most of them anymore, you know. Um, I was, you know, pretty heavy into uh, spider guard when I was a blue belt. I, you know, I really don't like the spider guard. I don't play spider guard very much um, for a lot of reasons now. But, and, you know, some of the positions that I really avoided because I wasn't confident in them. I didn't understand them. I didn't feel comfortable with them. You know, I didn't like, uh, for example, um, guillotines, head and arm chokes, things that are some of the staple of my, you know, what I do best now. Um, that I just avoided them completely uh, as, a, as a blue belt. So it's going to change as you train and progress. Um, and why do you think that? Why do you think that is that? that and and those are pretty fundamental movements and, and, and positions. What, why do you think that is that? 
that you avoided those? Is it just something that... Well, yeah, it's, again, <clears throat> it didn't make sense to me. You know, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I couldn't understand them um, at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I kind of knew how to do a guillotine. Sure. But, I'd, you know, it wasn't something I felt really comfortable with. And it's just because I hadn't invested the time in it, you know. I'm right there and, with you on it, too, by yeah. the way, especially on the guillotine. I mean, I you know, we, we go over it in class and I always pick up mm-hmm. it. The new detail to it, but I'm still not super comfortable. Yeah, and it, I mean it's a basic position, but it's a, there's a lot of little details that you, you go beyond that basic level, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know it just comes down to there's so much in jujitsu you can't get good at everything right away. Mm-hmm. Pick something that you like that makes sense to you and get good at that, and then the rest of it will follow, you know. And if you're not understanding it right now, um, again, don't disregard it. It's not, you know, these techniques have been around for a long time for a reason. So it might not be the best position for you for your body type, but you need to understand it. If for nothing else to understand the mechanics of how it works so that you can learn how to defeat it. Um, but it may be one of those things that, you know, it's not your position now, but it might be five years from now if you keep training and that will just naturally uh, evolve, you know, and sometimes it's picking up one little detail, you know, on a position, you know, I mean, I, I can remember the, the, the thing for me that really changed my perspective and my mindset on, um, in particular on the head and arm choke, um, was doing a, uh, a seminar that I went to years ago. Um, it was, I might've been a blue belt, maybe a purple belt, I don't remember, but, um, with, uh, Shaolin mm-hmm. and, um, all we worked on was head and arm shows, you know, and it was a position at that time that I really, you know, I knew it and kind of knew how to do it, but I really wasn't comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, just from, from that one seminar, you know, that was the beginning of me starting to really pay attention to that position and develop it and really see how I could use it and start implementing it more, you know, and now it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, positions. So, yeah, I like that one too. And I, I want to add to, um, to, the statement you had earlier and that that whenever you kind of figure out a position that you're good at I I would also say point out to your partner I remember whenever I was partnered up with Phil early on and he did a hip bump sweep like my hip bump sweep is still trash and he did his first hip bump sweep and was like boom got got me I was like that's your sweep Mm -hmm. point it out to your partner because Phil was really new at that point in time yeah I remember that that was weird yeah Phil was really new at that point in time, and he didn't, he didn't know. I don't think you knew that that was yours, no. but point it out to your partner, like, man, mm-hmm. that you're doing that for the first time, and you're doing it really well. You're that's probably something that you're going to be really good at. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah, important. and that feedback goes both ways, you know. Yeah. And I can see it in the brand new white belts that have been on the mat a week or you know one or two classes, and you can tell the people that you know to them they're completely confused and lost and they don't understand anything and they think they're terrible and they are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see the, but you, they're supposed to be. It's right. the first class. Yeah. But you can see the potential, you know, that, man, this person really, if they keep showing up, is going to be good. You know, yep. particularly at this position. You know, for your, this is the first time you've done it, man, you're, you know, keep working on this. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, you can, I can see that potential um, because I've seen a lot of white belts, you know, I've seen a lot of people struggle with this position, you know, and yeah, it's terrible, but you're doing it way better than most people do it right early on, you know, yeah. so yeah, agreed. And man, it seems like everyone is coming in. It's so funny. 
you know, all the, because we, we got a lot of new, new people in our academy right now. And I'm lucky enough that I get to pair up with those people on a regular basis. And I think, God, you guys are so much better at learning this than I was <laughs> when I started. You know what I mean? I, you know, I look at the same, I look at the blue belts now. And I'm like, man, you know, the blue belts now are way better than I was when I was a blue belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And part of that is, um, I mean, it kind of should be that way. There's so much, you know, jujitsu is so much bigger now. There's so much more access to information. Um, you know, and that can be good and bad, but, um, uh, you know, there's a lot more resources available. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I have the same perspective, you know, and, and part of that is your perspective changes a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know how, how really accurate that is, but, you know, looking back on it now, you think, man, you know, I'll go back and watch an old competition, you know, I was few weeks ago I ran across a, an old competition match from when I was a purple belt and I'm like man I don't even recognize that guy you know his jujitsu is terrible <laughs> <laughs> but uh and you know hopefully I mean we're all still trying to get better because it doesn't matter how long you do it hopefully sure. you know if, if I look back at a video 10 years from now it's have the same perspective you know man yeah. that guy sucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know you you suck a little bit less you know, the longer that you do this For but sure. it's important to keep that perspective that um, we're still all trying to get get this figured out. Nobody really has it down, you know, 100. percent And and um, you're as long as you're on the mat and you're training, you're getting better. But there's always guys out there that are, you know, uh, a step ahead of you, you know. And it's important to have those guys and chase those guys. Yeah. To keep getting better. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, so so the next that kind of dovetails into the next um, topic we wanted to explore, and that is. You know, there's a lot of people, A, you know, a couple things. People worry about belts, right? People worry about promotions. People worry about these sort of things. And then there's the other side of that, which is people who get promoted, they're like, oh, I'm, that's, that's not good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember early on, and it's really stuck with me um, in that, in that, uh, and I do implicitly trust your judgment on that sort of thing. That's why it, it's 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 not up to me when I get promoted. It's up to you. And I have to conversely believe that, yeah, okay, so I get my blue belt. I'm still no different than I was before. Yeah. It's just that now I have a little bit higher standard to, to live up to, a little bit more to do within the academy, a little bit... Uh, different approach to learning, maybe taking more on my own and that sort of thing. Um, you, a couple of things with that and also just with, with testing and what you look for in those types of promotions. Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, the belt's not magic. You know, it doesn't change, you know, overnight because you put on a blue belt, you know. Now you have these, you know, superpowers on the mat. It doesn't unfortunately work that way. you got to grow into every belt. And as you go higher into the belts, that transition is, is harder, you know, um, it's, um, a lot of times I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves, you know, that idea of having a target on your back. Most of that is self-imposed, you know, Agreed. um, there's a little bit of that for sure, but, um, you know, people kind of overplay the, um, that, but really what it comes down to and, and you know, belt promotions are, um, you know, they're tricky. Um, and it's something I take very, 
seriously and very personally every single one of them um, because there's an objective standard but everybody is different you know everybody has their own um, um, their own strengths and weaknesses and, and uh, um, what it ultimately comes down to is is this promotion going to push that person forward or is it going to hold them back you know that there's a growing in and a breaking in process for every belt um, and you know sometimes uh, people get promoted too quickly and they crumble under that pressure you know and it really can be a, a, a negative and kind of the way I look at that is that um, the worst thing I can do is promote someone who is not ready you know if I've got somebody that's um, on the fence that's right there on the bubble my typical um, mentality is to just you know hold that person a little bit longer let them you know and it's doing them a favor of course um, it's sometimes hard for some students to see that but you know if that's your mindset and the, the belt is the goal you're not going to last long term in jiu-jitsu anyway you know so if we look at this in the, the longer term you know 10, 15, 20 years from now we're all going to be black belts the people that are still there that are people that are still training you're all going to be black belts does you know waiting another six months for that next promotion really matter in the grand scheme of things no and when you get the black belt you'll wish you had more time at the lower belts you know um, almost every you know myself and almost every black belt that you know I talk to all has that same perspective that you know man I wish I had more time and I was uh you know, before I got my black belt, I was, um, you know, there was a group of some of my peers that we all kind of came up together, all brown belts, and really it was my goal among that group to be the last one, you know, to be the last brown belt, you know. Um, I think brown belt is uh, um, almost the best rank in jiu-jitsu because you get a lot of the respect and the prestige that goes along with the black belt, but not the pressure. You know, you're still allowed to screw up. You're still allowed to make mistakes as a brown belt. You know, people think when you are a black belt that you know everything, and that's you know so far from the truth. You know, the black belt is when you start learning jujitsu, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, an interesting perspective, the, the brown belt, because it's kind of seems like no man's land. That that brown belt is kind of like you know, again, you do get the respect, um, but but uh, that's an interesting. That was interesting to me. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's the best best rank, you know. Brown belt. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, the brown belt's a, um, it's just a, a preparatory phase for the black belt, you know. Um, the cool thing about being a black belt is once you get to the black belt, there's no, you know, the belts don't matter anymore. You're just training. You yeah, know? which is a great thing. And, and I, I want to go back to something you said with, you know, making sure they're ready and that is, and I've seen it a number of times we've, we've had a lot of people uh, get promoted lately and it's weird that there is no superpower with the belt but it, it, it's weird that it seems like every time someone gets a promotion their jiu-jitsu improves dramatically yeah. in a short period of time like, yeah, it's that little push forward and that's what if, you, if the person gets promoted at the right time then, you know, um, and that's going to be different for every person, you know? Sure. Again, I, you know, I don't want the promotion to hold you back. Right. I want the promotion to push you forward, and that's what it should be. That little bit of extra incentive, a little bit of extra added pressure, you know, self-imposed or otherwise, 
is, you know, it, it, it does most of the time um, push that person, you know, forward to the next level. And, you know, because what it is, it's easy to get comfortable. And you see the guys that, you know, we've had a few guys, um, I mean, we've had guys leave the team because they didn't want to get promoted. Wow. You know, we've had guys leave the team because they wanted to get promoted and they weren't. weren't. Yeah. Again, both of those are the wrong, uh, the wrong mindset. And both of those are not ultimately good for your longevity in jiu-jitsu you know it's putting too much stock in the belt the belts are important but let your professor worry about the belt you know you just show up and train because you know whether you get you know you show up for the the team promotions and whether you get a new belt or a new stripe or whatever that day you know what are you going to do differently you you know the day before you got promoted you showed up and got on the mat and trained the day after the day after you're going to show up and get on the mat and train you know um, and so, you know, that's what it should be. Yeah. Have you ever regretted promoting anyone? Mm, no, I don't think, I don't, none, none, none come to mind that I would say I regret, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, you know, it's a very typical thing with a lot of jujitsu academies, you know, it's a, it's kind of a known syndrome of the blue belts, especially, People get the blue belt and they leave and they stop training. You know, and I always, I hate to see those guys go. You know what I mean? Um, not just for for the academy, but for them more than anything, because I know what they're missing out on. They haven't been on the mat long enough to have the perspective to even know what they're giving up. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's. I mean, if everybody made it to black belt, it wouldn't be special, I guess. You know? Yeah. Um, so it, you know. It's a long road and it's uh, and it's not an easy road, you know. Why do you think blue belt is why when that usually happens? Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, sometimes I think that um, that self-imposed pressure um, can be a, a contributing factor. Sometimes, you know, if people get promoted too early, that can be a problem because they feel like they can't really hold that belt, you know, and then. Um, uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to catch up. You know, once somebody's kind of over promoted, um, I think for um, to to speak from my personal experience in our academy, you know, when the academy was very young, um, the blue belts were the top dogs in the school. You know, there was nobody above them other than myself. Um, we didn't have purple belts and brown belts, you know, and other black belts on the mat. So it's hard for them to see that next step, you know, and it's, um, it's a tough situation to be in when you're the best guy in the room, you know, it's hard to get better. That was the question I had for you. Yeah. And, and, um, and so, uh, and that's an issue the longer that you train, you know, the, the longer you train jujitsu, there's less and less people that can really push you, you know, and that's when you're getting better the most is when you're really getting pushed. Um, and so if you're already at the top of the heap at blue belt, you don't really see the next step, you know? So I think for, from my experience, you know, our, you know, most of the blue belts early on in the academy are not training anymore. Um, there's really only one guy and he's now training at the Charlotte school, uh, Bill that, uh, started with me, got his blue belt under me. Um, and just recently got his brown belt. You know? Oh, Bill started with you. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, Bill Ziegler. Yeah, 
That's cool. Um, which is neat, you know, for sure. Because it takes a lot of years and a long time to, to develop brown belts. You know, that's not something that you do in, you know, in, in a couple of years. Um, so, you know, as the team grows and we have uh, a little bit deeper pool of upper belts, you know, and a good solid core of blue belts, you know, that um, uh, hopefully most of those guys are um, going to be in it a little more long term. But, you know, uh, it's always uh, it's always tough anytime a student leaves, you know, at any level, but especially the guys that you've put several years into and invested a lot of your personal time and energy into, you know, they're, um, they're on the mat with you, you know, we're sweating together and, you know, it's, it's family. So, um, seeing somebody walk away from, from, uh, jujitsu is, you know, is always tough, but. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really like that. Um, Tom DeBlas post posted something on it, you know, that, that it breaks his heart when a blue belt leaves. Yeah. You know, it's just like, like you said, that, that time investment that you have. And, yeah, and, and I mean, for me, it's more, you know, I, it's more for them. Yeah. Know? Oh, no, agree. I, I totally know, agree. I, I feel bad for them, you know, and, you know, everybody has their own personal uh, personal reasons. And it's, I have to, you know, kind of keep in mind that my perspective is not the average person's perspective, you know. Um, most people don't think about jujitsu the way that I do, the way that any of the black belts do, you know. Um, right. That uh, it's, you know, it is the most important thing. You know, um, for a lot of people, it's just something to do. It's a hobby. It's, you know, they do it for a while. They like it and they move on to the next thing. You know, and that's, that's okay. You know, sure. um, again, if everybody, uh, if everybody did jujitsu and everybody stuck with it, you know, for the long haul, um, I guess it wouldn't be that, you know, that special. Well, and two, jujitsu is hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like it. And another one of the reasons I like it is that. It doesn't matter how good you get it. You don't feel like you're getting good because there's always somebody out there better. It's never ending. It's yeah. never ending, and and that's what intrigues me about it. That's what. Yeah, but it is. It's hard, and it's you know it's physically demanding. It it takes a toll on your body. Um, you know, I always joke around and say you know if you train jujitsu and you wake up one day and nothing hurts, you probably died. You know? <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's a lot of days. You know, it's tough for me to get out of bed in the morning, but uh, man, it's all worth it. You know, every bit of it. I wouldn't give it up for anything. Um, and uh, but again, my perspective is different. You know, than than most people. And the guys that catch the bug, you know, um, you know, kind of get it. Yeah. But, uh, but it is, it's hard, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that are, um, that are uh, easier, you know, and it's not instant gratification, you know, you don't get good at it quickly, you know, it takes a long time, and a lot of uh, sweat and energy, so. Yeah, agree. So being the best person in the room, mm -hmm. and everything we know you've taught us, um, how do you try to improve? Man, I gotta, you know, take advantage of the opportunities to train with the guys that are better than me, you know, when I can. Um, and you know it's with the you know the academy keeps me very busy and especially now running two locations keeps me very busy you know um, I still try to make it um, into to uh, you know train with Steve when I can you know that's you know um, he's the most accessible to me and, and you know my direct um, instructor and uh, you know I don't get to see him on the mat as often as 
I would like to um, anymore because both of us are so busy um, with the, the various academies and, you know, our schedules kind of pull us in different directions. But, you know, I try to take advantage of those opportunities, you know, anytime that they present themselves. I um, mean, not just him, but anybody, you know, um, if I have the opportunity to go, you know, go to a seminar or go to train with somebody that, you know, that I, um, that I respect that is, you know, high level, um, that, you know, take advantage of it, you know, um, you can also, uh, I mean, one of the things as you get into the upper belt ranks that's important is, um, being able to train with the white belts and make that productive for you, you know, not just, I'm not just training for that white belt, you know, realistically, I'm training for me, you know, I'm training to make that white belt eventually a good training partner for me. But, you know, if you train with the right approach and the right mindset, you can still make that, um, you know, even with a, a newer student, you can make that beneficial to you, you know, work on the, the things that you're working on, take advantage of that opportunity to, um, to do things that you aren't good at, do things that you aren't comfortable with, you know? Um, but yeah, it's tough, you know, it's, it's a it's a problem for the upper belts, you know. It's not a problem. White belt, blue belt, you got plenty of guys that can beat you up, you know. Um, the longer you spend on the mat, there's less and less of those guys. So man, chase those guys down, take advantage of it, you know. Keep a um, you know keep a student mindset, you know. You always got to be a student. Yeah, and the great part of that is is that especially with the you know jujitsu is growing so much, mm -hmm. you know. There's a lot more people doing it and the great part is you know we got we got a new purple belt at the academy and jeremiah and and everybody's getting better mm -hmm. you know so you're going to have more of that and and also just in addition to that is if you're traveling if you're traveling and you go to another school that's well established they're going to have a lot of upper belts as well don't whenever you go to those new schools don't avoid them i would flock to them now you know obviously you have to do it right the right way because some some uh, some academies are a little bit more strict in the, mm -hmm. in the sense that they don't, they don't ask upper belts to roll, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the a, a little tip or trick that I always use in that, in that case is I just go sit right beside them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, everybody's got their protocols, but you know, I mean, that's one of the, it's, it's, it's neat now because even within our own team now we have black belts, you know, yeah. we have homegrown black belts. We've yep. got, you know, Lee and, and Charlotte, um, yep. you know, Brad Hanna up in Asheville, mm -hmm. Scott Zeman. Training with him tonight. Training with Brad tonight. Okay, nice. Um, you know, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, we've got Ryan um, at, at Denver. So, you know, and I don't know if you noticed, but when we have seminars and team training, team open mats, I'm rolling with the brown belts and the black belts. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not rolling with white belts on those days, you know. Sure. We just had the... Um, the network training, yeah. the, the Hoist Gracie Hoist Network up at Blaine School in Greensboro. You know, again, it's an opportunity. We had, what, seven, eight black belts on the mat yeah. that day, you know, and I'm grabbing as many of those guys I can and, and roll with them, you know, and the brown belts as well. So There was a bunch of brown belts there. Yeah. There was like 20 brown belts. But, there. you know, we don't get those opportunities all that often. So yeah. when they're there, you know, take advantage of it. And, you know, that's where, uh, for me, um, I got to be a little selfish with my training. You know, it's not that I don't want to roll with you as a, white belt blue belt but on those days i'm training for me you know yeah so yeah, you have to take that that's good advice too for for anyone out there um 
So, so congratulations, A, on the new Academy, Mooresville. I think that's going to be a great, great success. You know, I know you're very busy. I know that, that you continually, and this is something that, that, um, that I've always consistently been impressed with. And that is that you're, con you're continuously looking at how to improve the schedule. I mean, if, people if you're out there and and um you know and you, you're kind of adverse to change man change is good uh, especially whenever someone like john is is looking at the schedule and saying hey our team's evolving we have to evolve with it yeah, with sure. regards to our schedule so something that i always appreciate and um and uh it, you know it's it, i was i'm very lucky uh, phil is very lucky that, that we train uh, under you. I think it's a, it, it's a privilege and it's something that we don't take for granted. So, so thank you for well, that. I appreciate that. And it's, um, yeah, it is something that, you know, I mean, this is, uh, this is my, my, uh, my whole thing. This is what I do full time. So it's, um, uh, you know, figuring out a way to always try to make it better, you know, always tweak it. You know, um, I think what we've got going right now is pretty good, but it can always be better. You know, and it's the same approach that you use to your jujitsu. You know, yeah, can't ever settle and say, oh, you know, I think I'm good enough. I can stop training now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You always there's always something you can work on. You know, there's always something that we can fix, whether it's in the schedule or you know, um, you know, our marketing stuff, our you know, student retention, the the just general environment, atmosphere of the academy. Um, yeah, it's always. You know, if you're not moving forward, then you're you're slipping backwards. You know. Yeah, agreed. And John, just tell us if anyone's interested in training in the uh, Lake Norman area. Mm -hmm. Just tell us uh, how we can get a hold of you. Yeah. So, fight to win Lake Norman. Um, you can find us on all of the uh, social media on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and uh, I think we have a Twitter account. I'm not. Yeah, that's Twitter. Twitter but Twitter's kind of going away now a little bit. Yeah, but um, the website is the best way. Um, it's uh, FTWLKN, that's as in Fight to Win Lake Norman, .com. Um, you know, that'll take you wherever you want to go. Um, phone number is 704 uh, 966 and our email is info at FTWLKN. If you just search for Fight to Win uh, Lake Norman, again, we have the uh, main location in Denver and then the new uh, location that we just opened up um, in Mooresville. Thank you very much. And Philly, tell the, uh, tell the audience how they can help support us. BJJCampaignPodcast.com, Facebook.com slash BJJCampaignPodcast. Uh, shirts and patches available in the store. And the group on Facebook is gaining momentum every day. Yeah, and that, that combo pack is fire with the patch and the shirt. Yep. 35 bucks, real bargain. Uh, so anyway for those out there listening if you're not doing something to make yourself better each and every day get out there and do it Phil and I choose jiu-jitsu so does John we hope you do too I'm about to feed him to the sharks right now get him hyped right now yeah you know the ground is on yeah everybody that trains you know the game yeah so let's get it uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Right. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game. You're feeling the growth. That's, that's time on the mat. We put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. No. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll. Let's roll.